0: This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, February 24th, 22 on KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellums. How about a bit of thunder with your freezing rain today? In about four minutes, a social work team at the VA clinic in Fort Smith has accommodated hundreds of homeless veterans in the Arkansas River Valley.
1: And I mean, we looked at one place, it was a brand new apartment complex, a brand new apartment with the first people to live in there. And it was amazing. The people, the owner, he was amazing. He's a great landlord. He cares about his people. He really cares about the veterans that rent from him.
0: Ozarks at large's Jacqueline Frolick gives us that story in just moments. In our second half hour, the latest edition of the NPR Tiny Desk Contest is underway. And NPR's Bob Boylan says he wants to hear what unsigned musicians in our part of the world have to offer. We'll have a conversation with him a bit later. The winter storm warning from the National Weather Service remains in effect until 6 tonight. Some flurries and light freezing drizzle could take place early tonight, say before 9. Then eventually it will clear. Lows in northwest Arkansas tonight around 10 degrees, wind chills between 1 below and 4 below. Lows tonight in the Arkansas River Valley will be around 16, with wind chills between 6 and 11 above. The Arkansas Department of Health reports 1,059 new cases in its Wednesday count. 36 more deaths from the virus were added to the state's total of fatal cases, now numbering 10,000. 341. The large-scale COVID-19 vaccination clinic Friday at the J.B. Hunt headquarters is being delayed by a week because of the sleet and ice. The new date, March 4th, will still be at the J.B. Hunt headquarters in Lowell. All appointments made for this week's clinic will be honored on Friday, March 4th. There is a slight increase in the number of patients with COVID-19 in northwest Arkansas hospitals. There were 64 patients reported early last night, That represents a net increase of three people in the last 24 hours. The Arkansas Department of Health reports 87 new cases of the virus found in Benton County in the most recent 24-hour testing period, 71 new cases in Washington County. Talk Business and Politics reports home sales in the Fort Smith metro area were up nearly 11 percent in 2021 compared to 2020, and 2020 was a record-setting year. 4,400 homes sold in the metro last year, representing a 10.6% increase over the previous year. The average home sale price last year was above $200,000 for the first time. The University of arkansas Fort Smith basketball teams in Texas tonight and this weekend to end the regular season. Both the men and women are in Wichita Falls this evening for games against Midwestern State, then at Dallas Baptist on Saturday. The teams will be back in Texas Tuesday for the beginning of the Lone Star Conference basketball tournament. The Arkansas women's basketball team closes out the home regular season tonight in Bud Walton Arena against number 25 Georgia. The Razorbacks have lost three consecutive games. The regular season will then conclude Sunday at Mississippi State. And later this afternoon on Here and Now, Russia launches its anticipated invasion of Ukraine. We'll stay up to date on events as they unfold in Ukraine, in Moscow, and in Washington. We'll also hear analysis of Russia's actions and the response from the U.S. and its allies. And as news breaks, we'll hear it live here and now today, beginning at one o'clock on KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. It is cold and wet out there. Please be careful. A social work team at the Veterans Healthcare System of the Ozarks Outpatient Clinic in Fort Smith is helping to accommodate and sustain homeless veterans throughout the Arkansas River Valley. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports.
2: The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, in collaboration with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, serves homeless veterans by providing rental assistance, social services, case management, and clinical medical services through local VA medical centers and outpatient clinics. Demetric Wyatt, a licensed clinical social worker, is coordinator for the Supportive Housing Program based at the VA's Fort Smith Community Outpatient Clinic. And my
3: goal specifically is to house veterans, you know, get them housed regardless of what, you know, uh, psychosocial challenges they may be going through, the goal is to get them housed. And that's what my partner and I are, are, are effortly doing day to day.
2: Homeless veterans and their families who qualify for rental housing assistance are required to also receive comprehensive VA case management to help them succeed in life. But locating homeless veterans in need can be a challenge, Wyatt says
3: right now we're, we're, we're not able to go out due to the pandemic, but, you know, when the pandemic is not into effect, we, we go out and do outreach, you know, we go out to the shelters, you know, we, we spend time there, you know, and we're available um, to, to, to connect with, and also to, you know, definitely enroll them in our program if they, we consider them eligible, and we're able to kind of just go out into the community and just, you know, just, you know, uh, identify veterans that may be, you know, uh, dealing with, you know, challenges and try to, like I say, just connect with them, you know, establish rapport and give them the opportunity to, you know, pursue this particular um, program, you know, if they meet the qualifications for it.
2: The program enables eligible veterans and families to obtain safe, affordable, accessible, permanent housing in locations of their choice. Housing choice vouchers are administered through a local public housing authority, a public housing assessment system used by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, assesses all low-rent public housing facilities to make sure they're up to federal standards. Veteran tenants pay up to 30% of their adjusted gross monthly income in rent, with remaining VA subsidies paid directly to the property owners who agree to participate in the program.
3: Well, we have our homeless hotline. That's, that's one one avenue we uh, we we we've made a, a lot of partnerships with uh, like uh, homeless shelters within the area. So if they identify in their case management of of veterans that come through their program, you know they identify veterans, and the goal of that is for them to kind of channel them to us. Uh, the VA also has a um, has a with within veterans coming through the uh, healthcare, care, you know, system, they have an assessment. And within that assessment, it, it asks specific questions about, you know, about their homeless disposition and whether they feel like they are, they're going to be homeless in the next two months or they're currently homeless. So that, yeah, that, that within itself is, is probably one of the greatest, you know, avenues that we're able to kind of, you know, capture, you know, veterans and, and provide them the services that they need.
2: All eligible veterans are required to prove need. Why it says
3: most of the time we do two screening. One is kind of the initial screening, you know, to just determine if they, you know, if they meet, you know, some of the the uh, the requirements. Which you know, uh, one of them is definitely being in a in a homeless or you know, are imminently about to be ha- about to be homeless. They have uh, they're eligible for they have an honorable discharge and, and eligible to receive VA services, and also they they uh, they need case management.
2: Veterans are required to follow certain procedures to secure their housing as well as to sustain it.
3: Helping them through the paperwork process and um, from there com- communicating with the um, the local uh, public housing, setting up a time to, you know, um, to meet and have a uh, what we call a briefing. And a briefing is where they are you know, informed, you know, from HUD about all the rights and responsibilities they're going to have as a... Uh, as a recipient of this particular voucher, and also as a tenant, you know, uh, with a, a landlord or property manager, and from there we go from finding a house. That's probably pretty much the the most challenging part is finding a place. You know, not everybody accepts uh, Section Eight vouchers, and you know, and then like I say it has to be within a certain income, you know, uh, of the veteran as well. Um, but like I said, we we made some partnerships with, you know, various landlord and property managers. So that has kind of helped out, you know, to bring down that, that barrier.
2: Donated furnishings and food are provided by Fort Smith churches and food banks. The Fort Smith VA Supportive Housing Program was initiated in 2014 and currently accommodates 60 veterans. U.S. Army veteran Rhonda Stevens, who's disabled, and her husband were first housed by the program two years ago in Fort Smith.
1: And, I mean, we looked at one place. It was a brand-new apartment complex, a brand-new apartment with the first people to live in there. And it was amazing, the people, the owner. He was amazing. He's a great landlord. He cares about his people. He really cares about the veterans that rent from him. Um, to the point that when everybody else's lease was increased last year, mine was not.
2: Stephen says the VA carefully follows homeless veterans to make sure they remain situated in secure living quarters for as long as they need. As long as you
1: need, as long as you go and redo your paperwork, and actually that's so easy, actually bring you the paperwork. And he's like, here, sign this, sign this, sign this. And you don't do anything else. You sign it. He goes off and works his magic with Miss Pat up here in Fort Smith, and bada-bing, bada-boom. It is, it's painless. It's too easy. <laughs> it's so easy that you kind of question it a little bit. Like, this can't be really happening, and it really is happening. So, it's an amazing program.
2: Over Christmas, Rhonda Stevens and her husband were able to relocate to Mina, where they purchased a modest house and are now permanently resettled. She encourages any veterans listening who are struggling with homelessness to reach out to the VA for assistance.
1: Everyone, if you're listening and you are in the streets or you're living in your car or you don't know where your next meal coming from, sometimes your next breath, um, get in touch with these guys. They will work miracles. They care about you. They will keep you fed. They will keep you clothed. Anything that you need from these people, they will do. And if they can't, they will sure enough find someone else to get it done. And I, and I mean that.
2: Veterans in need of housing can contact the Veterans Health Care System of the Ozarks Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. An online chat agent is also available to help at va.gov homeless. And the direct line to the Fort Smith VA Clinic is 479-441-2600. Veterans Health Care System of the Ozarks Media Liaison, Crystal Davis Noble, says their catchment area, which covers the tri-state region, last fiscal year counted 1,800 homeless veterans served. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich.
0: Just ahead on Ozarks at Large, this week's edition of the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report with Paul Gatling. It's part of our continuing partnership with Talk Business and Politics. City of Bentonville says a meeting for the Bentonville Housing Affordability Workgroup will take place tomorrow at 3. The meeting is open to the public, and there is an online option. The in-person meeting is taking place in the Bentonville City Council Chambers. That's at 305 Southwest A Street. If you'd like to attend virtually, it's being held, the virtual option, by Zoom. You can go to BentonvilleAR.com and look for a link.
4: Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Support for KUAF comes from Malco Theaters, offering reserved seating at the Rogers Cinema Grill, Springdale Cinema Grill, and Razorback Cinema Grill and IMAX Theater in Fayetteville. Showtimes, tickets, and more information available at malco.com
0: or the Malco app. KUAF brings you classical music, jazz, and locally produced music programs throughout the week, every week on KUAF2 and KUAF3. KUAF2 is your constant source of classical music. Classical music 24 hours a day, seven days a week. KUAF3 spends the work week providing jazz. Then on the weekends, along with jazz, KUAF2 delivers encores of local programs like Shades of Jazz with Robert Ginsburg, The Generic Blues Show with Paul Kelso, Mike Shirky's The Pick and Post, as well as shows like Hip Hop Hello and Ozark Highlands Radio. You can tune in to KUAF 2 or KUAF 3 on the KUAF app, or by asking your smart speaker to please play the stations by using the streams available at KUAF.com or by using your HD radio.
5: Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. With an assist from the Southeastern Conference, the University of Arkansas Athletics Department finished the fiscal year with a record profit. The department's annual audit shows total revenue to be $132.3 million for the fiscal year, up from $123.3 million the previous year. The department also cut costs by about 10%, down to $111.6 million dollars. The 12-month fiscal year started July 1, 2020, and ended June 30, 2021. The nearly $21 million profit margin is the largest in Razorback Athletics history. Thanks to the SEC, the Athletics Department achieved that surplus. The league gave its 14 member schools $23 million each to help offset the financial impact of COVID-19 on their athletic programs. The league announced that supplemental revenue distribution in May 2021. We've got a deeper dive into the numbers and some perspective from Clayton Hamilton, the UA Athletic Department's chief financial officer, in a story on our website. And you can find that at nwabusinessjournal.com. After the break, we've got a recent conversation with Fayetteville entrepreneur Colton Knittig about startup business Grill light. You're listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report.
6: Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda, and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at arkansasbluecross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC. Equal housing lender.
5: Colton Knittig is president and co founder of Fayetteville based grill accessory business Grill Light. The company is eight years old and has about 14 products, the most popular being a spatula with a built in flashlight. And Knittig recently announced a major distribution deal with national retailer Tractor Supply Company. I spoke with Kinetic this week to discuss the company, the tractor supply deal, and where the growth areas are for
7: Grill light, right, grill light is uh, a line of grill tools, like you said. Um, it's really kind of a line of, of products born out of frustration, um, like a lot of kind of you know innovative ideas out there. Um, all of our products have uh, built-in 200 lumen waterproof flashlights. So. Um, you know, it's great for like camping trips or, you know, especially around this part of the country, people grill year round. So, you know, in the fall when it's getting dark at, you know, four thirty or five o'clock and you just want to get out there and, and uh, hit the grill, um, uh, it's kind of the perfect solution to that. So you can always see what you're cooking.
8: Right. Okay. Well, so, um, details then, like we talked about, about this partnership with tractor supply company, I think that's over 2000 stores. How did the deal come about? What are some of the specifics?
7: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we, we've kind of, you know, built the foundation for the business on independent retail, um, and had a ton of success with, you know, independent stores, um, all over the country and about, about a thousand different stores and, um, also online. And, um, this is our first kind of true, you know, national account with stores in all 50 States. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we reached out to them, um, a couple of years ago and kind of got the conversation started. Um, they're based in Tennessee. And went to their headquarters, met with them, talked through some of our products, and um, you know COVID kind of threw a wrench into that we were We were getting ready to get you know get going in 2020 um, and we you know, they kind of pumped the brakes on on new product additions. so um, you know once we kind of the dust kind of settled a little bit, we reached back out and we were able to kind of re- reignite that conversation and um, here we are so it's been it's been kind of a journey, but we're we're looking forward to it.
8: Well, what's been the impact um, that you can tell from you know from the manufacturing side? I mean, I would imagine you've now. I mean, you mentioned this is a fifty-state deal. I would imagine that's impacting you. And just in simple terms, you've got to make more of these. How are you handling that?
7: <laughs> right. So yeah, we, we we are made overseas, and um, you know that's this has been something we've been preparing for for quite a while. So you know we we have a a, a team overseas that that oversees kind of our production, quality control, and does some product design also. And, um, you know, we were fortunate that we were able to kind of ink this deal quite a while ago, about, oh, probably eight, nine months ago, and um, just kind of, you know, started started ramping up from there. So, you know, we've had to kind of move some things around and, you know, order, you know, kind of longer lead time than we normally do, um, just to make up for some of the delays that we're dealing with. But, uh, you know, that's just that's just part of it. It seems like everyone's kind of dealing with
8: the same issues right now. So Yeah, the supply chain delays that you mentioned is, is something that everybody um, grapples with uh, at one level or another. Where are you at here in February of 2022 in terms of uh, are there still major issues for your company, minor issues? Have you adapted to those? Do you do you see any, I guess, light at the end of the tunnel as far as that
7: goes? Yeah, we, we definitely see some of the um, – some of the problems kind of mediating a little bit and kind of slowing, slowing down. Um, I think for us, you know, peak, you know, I guess peak disruption in the supply chain was around mid to late last year, uh, around August, September. Um, And since then we've, you know, it's still, it's still kind of a mess. I mean, compared to three, four years ago, but uh, it is definitely improving. Uh, We're seeing, you know, shorter delays in, in port. With you know unloading of our product from from the ships and clearance through the customs and that kind of stuff, um, but you know if if uh, if you told me four years ago that it would you know it would take us this long to get a get a container through um, you know I'd, I'd, I'd say you're crazy, <laughs> but it's
9: just
7: it's just the way of the world right now so. Well, so
8: building on this uh, this tractor supply deal, I mean, what do you uh, anticipate the rest of 2022? What are you focused on right now? How are you going to measure
7: success for grill life the rest of this year? Yeah, you know, um, just, you know, making sure that those those stores kind of stay supplied and stocked up. Um, you know, we're putting a lot of effort into uh, into marketing, you know, to kind of, make sure that, you know, our sell-through stays strong, um, you know, as as strong as it has been in our independent stores, um, you know, in the past. Um, And we do have, um, you know, a couple other pretty big announcements we can't really talk about quite yet, but we are rolling out into uh, uh, several, you know, several more stores uh, going into this year. So...
8: What can you say about your sales? You know, Maybe first, just what's been the, the tractor supply company uh, response to these products in store and then just overall company sales, maybe just from in 2021, what kind of year was it in that, in that sense?
7: Yeah. So, you know, with, um, you know, basically people I and mean, what we found is, you know, people have to stay at home and, and kind of stay, stay closer than they normally have been in the past. And, you know, with that, they're kind of investing in their um, in their home space, you know, more kind of uh, staycations and that kind of stuff. So they want to make sure that their home is comfortable. So we've seen a, a, a ton of people really investing and spending a lot of time with kind of outdoor kitchens and grilling and barbecue in general. So, you know, the, the segment has grown pretty drastically over the last 15 years. And then the last two years have just kind of been poured, poured jet fuel on the, on the fire. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of been you know a good a good way for us to ride but um you know with with Tractor Supply and a lot of the other retailers that we work with um they're putting a lot of effort into kind of the outdoor living space and um kind of playing playing more into that category so um with with that we've been able to kind of leverage our kind of you know innovative look on the on the products and you know we're not just another another grill tool company we've got some, kind of some innovative ideas around you know how to make grill tools, and um, that's that's been a really big big plus for us.
5: That is Colton Knittig, president and co-founder of Fayetteville company GrillLite. You can learn more at com. In other headlines this week, Arkansas wants to be in the driver's seat for the transportation revolution. The state of Arkansas and various public and private organizations are staking their claim for the state to be a global leader in next-generation transportation technology by 2030. That includes flying cars, driverless vehicles, and drones. Arkansas is planting a flag in what is expected to be a trillion-dollar advanced air mobility market. Leading the way initially, at least, is the governor's newly created Arkansas Council on Future Mobility. And construction is now underway on a $162 million expansion of Mercy Hospital in Fort Smith, It will focus on new emergency room and intensive care unit areas and parking. St. Louis-based McCarthy Building Companies will oversee construction, with completion expected in late 2024. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. The newly reinstated Arkansas Women's Commission held its first meeting earlier this week. The 14-member commission was revived through an executive order by Governor Asa Hutchinson. The governor is calling on the group to study ways to increase women's participation in the labor force. Commission member Gayatri Agnew suggested the group study the prevalence of women in leadership roles in the state as a whole, not
2: just in government. I think maybe having a slightly more broad lens which is representation of women in leadership in Arkansas as sort of the mm-hmm. header, and then taking a look at, of our businesses based in Arkansas, what do they look, so not not just public sector elected officials, but also looking at private sector, looking at business ownership, looking at entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. sort of that baseline level of data of where are women leading at, at parity and where are women potentially not.
0: Members also suggested studying pay disparities between men and women, as well as the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and other factors on women's mental health. The group must provide a report to the governor and the legislature by December 1st. Commission member and Democratic state Senator Joyce Elliott urged fellow members to approach their work through the lens of intersectionality.
1: Nobody around this table is one thing. That's the whole point. And so that is something very new that I think we haven't thought about before, because even with, say, women's rights, women's rights were mainly about white women when we talked about women's rights. We didn't think about the intersectionality of women and their race or their ethnicity or even their geography where they live.
0: Governor Asa Hutchinson last week announced the reinstatement of the group, which has not met since the mid-1970s. By the way, Wednesday, a relatively quiet second day of candidate filings at the state capitals. A winter storm took over the state. After Tuesday's flurry of filings of more than 280, Tuesday's count closer to 30. Candidates seeking office in the 2022 election in Arkansas have until
10: Tuesday to file. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Christ with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. Mamie Odessa Hale-Garland provided training to granny midwives in Arkansas that led to a marked drop in the number of deaths of black babies and mothers. Born in West Virginia in 1910 and trained at the Tuskegee School of Nurse Midwifery for Colored Nurses, the Arkansas Department of Health hired her in 1942 to train midwives in a state where fewer than 25% of births occurred in hospitals. Charged with training Arkansas's elderly and illiterate midwives, Garland used songs, movies, photos, and demonstrations with a 30-pound mannequin to teach prenatal care, preparing for delivery, aftercare, and filling out birth certificates. Her efforts led to maternal child care clinics in 11 counties in 1948, where 2,500 women received care. Midwife classes were held in 32 counties in 1950, a year in which childbirth deaths fell to 42 from 128 20 years earlier. Garland later moved to Pennsylvania, where she died in 1979. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net.
0: And ahead on this edition of Ozarks at Large, Leah Uribe gives us a brand new sound perimeter, one that includes the music of Duke Ellington, echoes of Harlem, and more. And then we talk with NPR's Bob Boylan about the 2022 edition of the Tiny Desk Concert Contest. It's open to unsigned musicians and unsigned bands from around the country, including here. Music for an icy day ahead on Ozarks at Large. Support for KUAF comes from the Walmart Museum,
4: open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 8 and noon to 6 on Sunday on the Square in Bentonville. WalmartMuseum.com for more information. The Momentary in Bentonville, a contemporary art space featuring today's visual, performing, and culinary arts with free admission, presents In Some Form or Fashion, a new free exhibition exploring the intersection of art and fashion through the work of six contemporary artists. Open now through March 27th. More information available at themomentary.org.
0: The Museum of Native American History, Mona, in Bentonville, will welcome Caddo Winnebago artist Dolores Purdy, virtually on March 5th at 11 a.m., for a Women's History Month Artist Talk. It's part of the Native Conversation series. Registration is free. It's available at monah.us, mona.us. In her talk, A Female Perspective on a Historically Male art form, Ledger Art, she dives into the history of this art form. If you'd like to know more, you can go to Facebook and look up Mona. And local nonprofit Music Moves will host a two-day event celebrating black African-American culture in Springdale at the Jones Center on April 14th and 15th. The inaugural Arkansas Black Music Expo will feature special musical performances by Grammy nominees Carl Thomas and Kirk Whalum, of the UA Pine Bluff Marching Band, as well as regional artists scheduled throughout the event. Vendor Space will feature Black-owned businesses with attractions for children and food trucks on site. If you'd like more information, again, to Facebook and look up Music Moves.
9: This is
11: Ria Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with Duke Ellington's Echoes of Harlem, performed by the Westerlies in a live concert from last week, at the University of South Carolina, as part of the new music series, Southern Exposure. I happened to be in town, attending a conference, and was able to be in this concert. I so enjoyed the dynamism and virtuosism of the Westerlies, a group that, according to NPR Music, quote, explores jazz, roots, and chamber music influences to create the rarest of hybrids. Music that is both folk-like and composerly, lovely and intellectually rigorous end quote) <laughs> It was Duke Ellington's Echoes of Harlem, performed by the Westerlies, an unconventional brass quartet bass in New York, formed by childhood friends from Seattle, Riley Muhelkar and Chloe Rowland in the trumpets and Andy Clausen and William de Koch in the trombones, in a live performance at the University of South Carolina. In this same concert, the Westerlies performed their own arrangement of Entracht, a work originally written for String Quartet by American composer and Pulitzer Prize winner Caroline Shaw. That was my first time encountering this piece, and I fell in love with it. I am so thankful to the Westerlies for allowing me to listen to their version and for expanding my musical boundaries with a now new favorite piece. Caroline Shaw wrote and tracked in 2011, inspired by a minuet from joseph haydn's quartet opus 77 number no. 2 let us listen to the ataka quartet playing the beginning of caroline shaw's original version of antract from a an 2018 colorado public radio live performance We listened to an excerpt from Untracked, A Piece for a String Quartet by violinist, singer, and composer Caroline Shaw from Greenville, North Carolina, whom in 2013 was the youngest ever recipient of the Pulitzer Prize for Music for her Partita for Eight Voices. Discovering Untracked through the Westerlies took me to explore further Shaw's career, music, and collaborations, And we close Sound Penimeter today with the result of that chain reaction. Caroline Shaw's remix of Kanye West's song, Say You Will, where she adds her own vocal and violin tracks. The power of music that takes you to more music and then to other musics. I really hope you enjoy. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon.
9: Why would she make calls out the blue? now i'm awake sleep for soon hey hey
0: This is Ozarks at Large. The NPR Tiny Desk Series features musicians performing in front of a tiny desk. The performers over the past years have included the very famous, the about to be famous, and the should be famous because they're great. And for the past several years, Bob Boylan, the creator of the Tiny Desk Series, it's his actual desk, and NPR have opened up this series to unsigned artists from anywhere in the country. This year's contest is open now. Yesterday, we reached Bob Boylan by Zoom to ask him a few questions, including if he relishes receiving hundreds, if not thousands, of video submissions of original music.
12: (laughs) You know me. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, It's a thrill, honestly. You just see all sorts of stuff you'd never see otherwise. I don't know about you, but I go to a lot of shows or did. And uh, one of my very favorite things is seeing opening acts, and this is this is that only, you know, this is the opening act. Oftentimes, at uh, maybe a house concert, I mean, right? This is just as intimate peek at somebody's career, and it's wonderful.
0: But what is also fun is it's an opening act on their terms. They've set it up. They get to pick the song, and and they're doing what they want to do in their style.
12: Absolutely. And, and uh, the intimacy that's there that comes from uh, those recordings, uh, is, is you, you can't match it. You can't beat it. It's a, a rabbit hole that anybody out there who wants to do it, because I love it. And I tell my friends all the time, if you go to npr.org slash tiny desk contest, um, you could see these submissions of artists from all over the, the country who are entering and it's, you just what a peek into the world. What I love about it is the diversity in
0: age, in style, in how people look, in 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 instruments. It is wide open, and I know that's something that you and your team foster.
12: Well, I'm really, honestly, simply proud of that. And uh, it, it's hard in these days of so. Uh, it's so possible to put yourself in the box that you love. And never climb out, you know, a music, I'm talking about your musical box, your musical tastes, and just be, surround yourself with the things you love, and that's that. Um, but what we've tried to do, and we do at NPR Music, it's just a thing where we know there's a wide world of music. We know that you may find yourself turned on to something that you never heard or thought about uh, before, and you might see, a, you know, a great bluegrass band or a hip-hop band or what you name it, uh, or or some... 75-year-old man with a jew's harp, you know, playing music that will just put a smile on your face or make you think. And, and, and that, that's, I love. That.
0: Yeah, the Tiny Desk concert off, obviously is is for the artists, but it is so much for those of us who just go and browse as well.
12: Yeah, but uh, it is a challenge to the artists who come to the actual desk and, and for the people entering the contest, uh, because at least uh, certainly... In our – behind my desk at NPR, which is not a set piece, it's literally my desk, um, we don't amplify the singer's voice in the room and, and there's a room full of people who probably should be working but who come up for 15 minutes to watch uh, the concert who – Hear the singer sing into a room unamplified, which means the entire band now has to play in a way that they don't usually play, which is much quieter. They have to listen more carefully to each other, not through in-ear headphone monitors or speakers in front of their faces, but, but in, in ways that they're literally listening to the player next to them and in front of them. So uh, it gets, you get something out of it for the musician and for the audience that is unlike anything else. I've had several conversations with artists of
0: many different media lately, dancers, musicians, and one thing they talk about is access and how there does seem to be more access now. You don't have to sign with a major label. You don't have to, you know, depend on the major venue. And this is, I think, a major sort of component of that, the the, the series and the contest.
12: Yeah, and, and the contest tries to foster those truly unknown so they they haven't gotten their publishers yet they haven't they, they haven't may, maybe toured outside of the state that they live in uh, maybe even not even played a live show for goodness and and so uh and you know granted we have one winner every year but we feature artists all the time during the entry period where people can watch and hear artists that are uh, who have simply just entered the contest and uh it's It's a real thrill. On one level, I'm envious of you being able to
0: open up, I guess, emails and attachments every day and see what's next. On the other hand, I am not at all jealous or envious of the process of picking that one winner.
12: Oh, it's hard. Sometimes it's clear as can be. You see an artist after the, you know, 700th video and you go, whoa. Hey, everybody. (laughs) You want to see this one? Um, And usually there's there winds up being a good handful of those to choose from. I think the you know in the end it's really about finding someone with a, something that is unique, and uh, that is uh, just makes you want to tell your friend about. Even though it's not the music you may or maybe music you love, and but it may not be, but just to be able to recognize talent for talent's sake is uh, something that I I really, really love. You know, in Northwest Arkansas and the Ozarks, we know we have thousands of people
0: who play instruments, be they brand new bands, be they someone with a theremin. What advice do you give to those folks to go ahead, submit, be part of
12: this? Um, I do a challenge every year, just as I decide as a musician, which is called the RPM Challenge, which is challenges you to make an album in a month every February. And I, i done it for since 2007 and it's easy to put things off to say i'm going to do that later i'm going to do that later but it's really very important for people who are creators to just do it just make the act of doing something and what you wind up getting at it is is so it's not you you'll get something you don't expect and and it will hopefully raise your bar or your audience or you know it, it's just a very important thing to do. Artists, you know, talk about oh I'm waiting for the right moment. Um, I haven't gotten that spark yet. I'm I'm going to say just doing something is the beginning of that spark, and it's so important as a as a creator to just create and see what happens.
0: All right, you've inspired all those musicians that are listening. What do they do next?
12: uh, make a video, uh, of themselves singing an original song, uh, at a desk of their choosing. (laughs) So we find you be creative there. And then, um, uh, you go to the tiny desk. I'm sorry. You go to NPR.org slash tiny desk contest for the, how to enter and so forth. It's pretty simple. You have to be over 18. They live in Arkansas. They're eligible. And, um, Make something you're proud of. Hey, Bob, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Pleasure, Kyle. You'll be well.
0: Bob Boylan with NPR and the creator of the Tiny Desk Music Concert Series and the Tiny Desk Concert Contest spoke with us yesterday via Zoom. This is Ozarks at Large. Hey, are you a college
4: student and a podcast junkie? NPR wants to hear your stories for the College Podcast Challenge. Share a podcast, anything from a social issue, an investigative report, or just a captivating story, and you could hear yourself on NPR. Deadline for submissions is February 28th. Go to studentpodcastchallenge.npr.org for rules
0: and information. Tomorrow, on a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large, Michael Tilley will help us review the week's news. Our favorite movie reviewer, Courtney Lanning, will... Give us a skinny on the new streaming thriller No Exit and Timothy Dennis sits down with Austin Cash and Austin Cash's guitar. More music on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 on KUAF 91.3. You can always hear the latest edition of our daily version of Ozarks at Large by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. You can listen on your schedule when you subscribe to the podcast version of Ozarks at Large. Just go to your favorite podcast distributor and you can search the archives for old shows or individual stories and interviews by going to OzarksAtLarge.com. Hi, my name is Paul, your host for the Generic Blues Show, which airs every Friday night at 9 o'clock. Join me this Friday. I brought in Randy Stratton and Connell Miller as we preview the CD, Leave On and the Hawks, live at the Fond du Light Club, 1965 in Tulsa. Also a few other tunes of the Hawks with Ronnie Hawkins, Bob Dylan, and later as the band. That's the Generic Blues Show every Friday night at 9 o'clock.
4: We'll see you then.
0: This week, we've been discussing opportunities for area artists, the Tiny Desk Contest we discussed just a few minutes ago with Bob Boylan, as well as the activities going on at 214 operated by Cash in downtown Springdale, a story we brought you on yesterday's show. Come to think of it, last week, we talked with the Scott Family Amazium in Bentonville about Makers in Residency program opportunities. You can find those stories all by searching OzarksAtLarge.com. Now, another opportunity. Artists are invited to create a cozy Mouse House mural in the preschool library at the Fayetteville Public Library. The artist eventually selected will install the piece, which will kick off Mr. Mouse's Mail. That's a letter writing program where preschoolers and grade schoolers will exchange letters with Mr. Mouse, who has now moved into the library. The mural will be located on one of the columns in the preschool library. Library staff want this to be a creative outlet for artists, so they're asking that your idea contain details that invite layers of discovery, such as native Arkansas plants, trees, and bugs. The rest, they say, is up to you. If you're selected, the library will provide you all the materials you need. You'll also receive a cash prize and the opportunity to install an interactive art piece that they say should delight children of all ages. Here are some specs about this. The mural will span across three two-feet-wide column panels. It begins to taper off at four feet high and should be fully finished at five feet. If you'd like to submit a mock-up, just visit faylib.org backslash mouse. Just download and print a mural template, then submit a completed sketch to kids Questions at faylib.org. That's faylib.org By Monday, March 28th, you've got about a month to think about it. If your piece is selected, you'll hear from the Fayetteville Public Library. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Sulphur Springs. Ozarks at Large is created at the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville. Today's show and today's edition of Sound Perimeter produced by Timothy Dennis. Contributors today included Jacqueline Froelich and Leah Uribe. Additional show creation from Rachel Sanchez-Smith. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report with Paul Gatling is produced by Stephanie Brock. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Shaw. It's called The First Hurrah. We return tomorrow noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF. Special coverage from NPR notwithstanding. And by the way, KUAF and NPR will continue to cover the latest developments in Ukraine, Moscow, Washington, and Europe throughout uh, the rest of this week into the weekend. And a reminder, you can always listen to us wherever you are with the KUAF app or by using the free streams available at KUAF.com. You can also ask your smart speaker to please play KUAF. We're going to end this episode. Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large with a bit of sound from last night. Well, yesterday evening, right around 5 o'clock. Normally a busy time in South Fayetteville. Shift workers and students make their way home from work and classes. But yesterday, instead of traffic, the sound of birds filled the air. No one was really traveling anywhere yesterday at 5. Their chirps promising that we'll have warmer weather soon, despite what we've had the last two days or so. This sound provided by Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. You please stay safe and warm, and thanks for being with us.